conference. She's out in Chicago. Yeah, so she's out there enjoying the warm weather in Chicago. It's, it's very balmy this time of year in Chicago. So uh, pray for her, but uh, she'll be out there all week. Pray for Jen. I want you to find the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm having trouble finding it tonight. It's in my Bible, I think. It used to be in here. Ecclesiastes chapter number 6. Find that place, if you will, in your Bible. Again, Solomon is the king, is an older man, is uh, making a search in life, trying to find meaning to life. What purpose is there to life? Why are we here? What are we doing? And, and so far, that everything he's looking at in life, he's, the first few chapters, he's come up with the conclusion that life without God, now life without God is, is vanity. It's a waste of time. There's really no purpose to it. All you're just, you born, you you. you grow, you work, and then you die. And everything that you built and did in this life is either rots, falls apart, or, or left to somebody else who disperses it around the world. And, and to, what, to end, what end is all of this? And Solomon, through the Holy Spirit of God, is going somewhere with this book, which at first can seem very depressing and dark, but there is a point to it, and we'll see that in due time. But he's making some some, some observations about life right now. He's, a, he's, he's sitting there, and as a king, he's, he has been watching. He's gone down to the marketplaces. He's gone down to the courthouse. He's, he's observed how men act and all the things that they are doing and what goes on in life. And now, in, in this portion here, what we're going to look at is, is the idea, is, is life a dead-end street? You ever go down a dead-end street? You ever go think this is the way? You turn down, and it's like, man, this thing, you got to turn that thing around. And sometimes it seems to be, especially when we don't reach our goals or when we reach our goals, but there's no fulfillment at the end of it. It's like, well, this is not what I expected. I expected some more enjoyment. I finally obtained this. Well, now what? You know, the man who climbed Mount Everest, I forget his name. Was it Edmund Hillary? Is that his name? And uh, he climbed Mount Everest. He got to the top, and when he observed the top, he said, well, over there, there's another peak. And beyond that peak, there's another peak. It just, so what's, the, you know, are we enjoying what we've done? More than one person in the Bible became so discouraged with life. And when you read your Bible, you will see that men and women got discouraged in the Bible. And so much so that some of these people wish they had never been born or some wish they could, would even die and ask for God to take their life. We see this is Moses. Moses is Numbers chapter number 11, becomes discouraged and, and wishes for God to take him. I'm done. I, I want to get out of here. And we see Elijah, the great prophet of God, so depressed that he's, he uh, wishes for God to take his life. Take me. I'm done. I can't handle him. He fell into such a state of depression. And God fed him and told him to take a nap. Never underestimate a snack and a nap. Amen. There's there's a blessing in that. I went to a, I had lunch and went into a coma for two hours that I did not plan on. I sat down to watch something, and next thing I woke up, like, oh my, I gotta get out of here and pick up Maurice and, and go. And uh, so I'm, I'm ready to go for the next three hours. I'm, I'm wide awake. So I'm tired. Well, that's good, but I'm, I'm wide awake right now. We think of another man who suffered terribly in the scripture. We think of Job and his trials and what Job went through. 
And Job wished that he'd never been born. In fact, he says, you know, I wish I was, I was stillborn. I wish that I died in my mother's womb. I, I wish I could be a miscarriage because his depression was so great. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, wished that he was gone. And even Jonah, when he was in the belly of the whale, and, or actually it was after the belly of the whale, when God saved the Ninevites, that he wished he could die. Imagine getting so depressed because God saved sinners and God had mercy on people that you wished, well, I wish God wouldn't save these people. You talk about a, we're begging for God to save people and get upset when God doesn't. The Ninevites got right with God and, and it upset Jonah that, they, that God was merciful. And perhaps when we look at life, life confronts us with too many mysteries and things we can't fully understand. And life, there's a lot, things in life we have no answers for. Say, so, Pastor, well, why is this? I, I don't know. That's my deep theological. At the end of the day, I can give you all kinds of talk. We could talk for 20 minutes, but at the end of the day, it's like, That's a God thing. I don't, you know, I don't know. I just don't know. And when it doesn't make sense, we get frustrated. If people can't see a purpose in life, especially when they're going through deep suffering, they start to question God and even wonder if life is worthwhile. Now in Ecclesiastes chapter number 6, Solomon discusses three of life's mysteries. The first of life's mysteries is riches without enjoyment. The second would be labor without satisfaction. And the third thing is, and questions without answers. So in chapter 6, verse 1, he says, There is an evil which I have seen under the sun and is common among men. A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanted nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof. But a stranger eateth it. That is vanity, and it is an evil disease. If a man begat a hundred children and live many years so that the days of his years be many and his soul be not filled with good and also that, that, that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. For he cometh in with vanity and departeth in darkness and his name shall be covered with darkness. Moreover, he hath not seen the sun nor known anything, this hath more rest than the others. Yea, though he live a thousand years twice told, yet he hath seen no good, do not all go to one place. Father, bless the word and bless the time now. Help those who are here this evening to put aside the world for five minutes. Spirit of God, speak to their hearts. Have your perfect will and way in their life. May each person here this evening hear something that will change us forever. We ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In verses 1 through 6, Solomon is talking about riches without enjoyment. And what a seeming tragedy it is, is to have all the resources for a satisfying life and not be able to enjoy them for one reason or another. That's what he's referring to here in this portion of Scripture, where he says that a man is given, verse 2, riches, wealth, and honor, so he wanted nothing for his soul, of all they desire, yet God giveth him not power to eat. I thought about that and studied on that for a little bit. What's that mean? He has not power to eat. He has everything. He's got all the money. He's got the people to prepare and cook and, and serve him and, 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 and has the table and the palace, yet he doesn't have the power to eat. And, and there's really, we're not really sure what, 
Solomon might be referring to, but it could be a person who has all the money in the world yet has suffered a stroke and is unable to take care of themselves and health has robbed them of the ability to care for themselves. And we all have seen people whose, whose health has deteriorated or, or suffered some form of stroke that they are unable to take care of themselves. They're able to provide a nurse, they're able to provide everything, but yet they themselves can do nothing of themselves. And you look at that situation, you say, well, why is that? Why is it so with that person? We think of people who we, America, we're going to turn 65, we're going to retire, we're going to live the good life. And finally, we, we work, we work, we work, and, and, and finally at 65, we plan to go off and do something. And how many people do you know, and how many people in my life, I know they hit 65, or they're just about to hit 65, and they die. And they can't enjoy those retirement years, and all the money that they built up to save for that retirement is is of no value to them because they're gone. Now again, this may sound depressing, but this is really life. We're looking at life here and how it is and, how, and how, what goes on on this planet. Again, there's, uh, the, the, really the purpose what he's wanting to let us know is that you, know, you enjoy life now because now is what you have. And it would do us well to stop worrying about the future. When I was a kid, I couldn't wait to be 13. You know, I, 13, I'm going to be a teenager. And I, you know, you're waiting to get to 13. And, you get, and somebody asked me how it was to be 16. I said, it was like when I was 13. You get 13, you're like, there's no magic. There was no fireworks. You're just another day older. And then you're 13. You can't wait to get to be 18. When I get 18, man, we're going to. And you get 18, and you're like, no, oh, this is the same. And then what's the next magic number? You know, then you're 30, and they... They start having over-the-hill parties for you, and then 40, and then the magic number of 50, and then 60. And all these numbers really mean nothing if we don't enjoy life while we're doing it. Again, I know people who've worked like dogs, double shifts and 60-hour weeks to save up that money for that 65 retirement, and yet when it get there, they may not be able to enjoy it. They have not power to eat thereof. Solomon chapter number 5, verse number 19, if you just back up just a verse there, he, 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 he says, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, and hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is a gift from God. And then chapter 6, verse 2, just a few verses later, he talks about the same guy, yet this power doesn't have power to eat. So some people do. And some people don't. Why is that, Pastor? And what you learn with Solomon is, well, we don't know. We don't know why some people have it all and can enjoy it all, and why some people can have it all and not be able to enjoy it all for one reason or another. To him, the basic principle is that nobody can truly enjoy the gifts of God apart from God who gives the gift. And that's the key. God gives the gifts. And if we don't have God in there, we'll never fully really be able to enjoy any of it. To enjoy the gifts without the giver is an idolatry because we love our things. I've worked at homes where guys had a, a, this, this is back in, I guess, back in the 90s, early 90s, 80s. He had this, Cam uh, not a Camaro, um, uh, no, um, the, other, the other biggie one, the Cor Corvette, the Vette. He had this beautiful red vet in his car, and it was surrounded by junk. But he had that, he never took it out. You never drive, well, dude, what good is the car if you don't take it out and 
driving around the block. I talked to a guy the other day. He says, I got a 1987, uh, Monte Carlo was the big car, but there was also another one they came out with the, uh, yeah, the Buick, yeah, the National, the Buick National. It was a beautiful car. He said, I got only 60,000 miles on it. It's like, dude, do you drive it? No, I don't take, what, what good is your car just sitting in a garage? If you don't take it out and, and blow the dust off the carburetor and enjoy it. It just sits there. If I had a Buick Grand National, that thing would be up and down the block. And we'd be picking up, listen, we'd pick up kids for Sunday school and that thing, I guarantee they want, a, they want a ride in that bad boy. Nobody wants a ride in a Tesla, but they take a ride in the Grand National, I guarantee you. Or a Prius, amen, Ethan? They're a nice Prius. <laughs> Ethan's buddy had a Prius there. Now, we want to enjoy the gifts that God gives us. God gives you children. You better enjoy them because they will grow up. Enjoy your, your family while you have them because life does end. And, we, and if we don't enjoy them in the time that we have, when they, they, they will pass away. Your wife, your husband will pass away. And you're like, I didn't spend my time enjoying because I was too busy working or doing whatever. And I didn't spend time in, in enjoying these things. They're gifts from God. Verse 2, again, it's a hypothetical situation, or it might have happened to somebody Solomon knew. The fact that God gave Solomon riches and wealth and honor made the account more meaningful to him. Solomon had all these things, yet he was able to enjoy them. And maybe Solomon knew somebody who had all these things. But, but even Solomon was, must have been a miserable individual in many ways, because even now he's a miserable man. He's not enjoying life. He's not enjoying all the things that he has. He's just miserable and his search for meaning and purpose. But enjoyment with God is, is enrichment, and it brings true joy and satisfaction. God gave this to me. God enabled me to have this. God gave me my spouse. God gave me my children. God gave me this home. God gave me this apartment. God gave me this vehicle. God gave me this job. God has taken care of me, and we can enjoy the gift that God has given to us. What would prevent this person from enjoying life? Again, we see in Scripture there's a lot of things that confront a person from enjoying life. The Bible tells us several things. Look, if you will, in Proverbs chapter number 15. How many young people today are depressed? How many? And listen, young, suicide is, is on a it's on a a record pace of people committing suicide these days. Why are so many people committing suicide with so much available to us? And so much, yet so many people find themselves miserable and not enjoying life. Why is that? In, in a country that is blessed beyond imagination, and this country really is, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a, country, a house in this country that doesn't have running water and indoor plumbing. But yet you go to many other places around the world, just the local city have those things, and outside in the villages, it's, you know, there's a building out back, and if you want water, we need to get to the well and, and, and bring it in. This is just, but every, we're in America. It's blessed. You can drive down the street and find a place to eat anywhere. Food is abundant. You want clothes? It's in abundance. You want to buy a vehicle? It's in abundance. We're, we're drowning in all of this, drowning in technology. And yet people are so unhappy, they are taking their lives in droves today. It never makes the news, and I guess for good reason. But in chapter 15 of Proverbs, 
Solomon says this in verse number 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where, the, where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Again, he's referring to, the, to our homes, really. And we're, we're better off in our homes having just a little bit and having love and, 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 and companionship and enjoyment with each other's company than to have all these riches and everybody hates each other and is at each other's throat. You're better off just having a simple dinner, a di dinner of herbs, where love is than having an ox out back where you can enjoy steak and everything else, and be, but everybody hates each other. So again, Solomon is letting us know that in life there's blessings, but if, if we're not happy and if there's misery in our home, what good is all the things that we can possibly have? All the possessions that one may own. Many a rich person has taken their life. We think of the, all these Hollywood people, yet all of them are on antidepressants. Every single one is taking something to keep themselves happy, and yet they, we think they have everything the world says you need to be happy. Look at chapter 17 of Proverbs and verse number 1. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. You're better off with a dry piece of bread and having your home quiet and, 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 and just a nice quiet house where there's no problems than a house full of sacrifices with strife. You know, I know what it's like to grow up in a house where there's problems, especially later on in life when my brothers really got into their drug addictions and, and, to, and to live in that nightmare scenario. There was food in the refrigerator. We had a freezer downstairs filled with food. We had a pantry in the basement stocked with all cans of vegetables and soups and everything. So we, we didn't want for any food. We all had clothes on our back, yet my brothers with their addictions, there was this awful strife, this awful... Uh, not in your stomach every single day of dealing with the problems of people who are uh, drug addicted and, and, and stealing and robbing and locking up your possessions and making sure that what you had was locked away and they could not steal it from you. So much so that even your, your mother's own wedding ring gets stolen and pawned off to, to buy, it, buy drugs. It's a horrible way to live. We don't talk about it much. We don't mention it much. But my friend, I, I, I've lived in some nightmare scenarios with that, that problem with my brothers and then my father with his attitude and actions. You're better off just sitting there at night having a piece of toast and have everybody around the table doing all right and saying, boy, if we could just have you know, the nice house. And, 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 and again, God's not saying you can't have a nice house, but get the picture here. You're better off enjoying what little things you have in life and, and having peace and quiet and knowing your children are safe and your husband's going to come home and he loves you or your, or your wife loves you. And, and she's not messing around with it. I knew a guy loved his wife. He came home one day and opened the door, and there she was in the kitchen with some other guy. And uh, it just de devastated the man, absolutely devastated him. Mean, she was his world. And yet, there she was. Again, we want to have a home where there's quietness and the blessings of God. God may give you a rich home, and God may give you possessions and a quiet home. Or God may give you a small house with no quietness, but you want, you want the blessings in your life, enjoying life. So some things may prevent us from enjoying it.
The person described in verse number 2 of chapter number 6 in Ecclesiastes, as we're reading there, he has no, he has no heirs. There's no body to, to claim his possession. So a stranger acquires the estate and they enjoy it. We see that in verse 2 again of Ecclesiastes 6. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity and it is evil disease. Somebody comes along and takes it. Well, he's dead. Well, who gets his money? Well, he didn't have a relative. And well, who gets it? And I've told you before, I've known people. We worked at houses years ago with customers who, who died. I know one guy who had two homes. He, he had money and, and uh, possessions, and yet he died and didn't seem to have any heirs. They, they did a thorough, thorough search, and finally they found some 20th cousin somewhere out in Ohio somewhere. And they say, your cousin died. I don't got a cousin. Well, he left you 400000 Oh, that cousin. <laughs> and uh, and uh, next thing you know, he's coming in and claiming his brand new Honda that he bought and, and, and getting the money for everything and selling off the property. <laughs> they had an estate sale, and they sold everything in the estate sale, all kinds of stuff. The man, right, uh, there's like a 1,000 cans of, of uh, empty Roy, uh, raw oyster Cans. And that man lived on raw oysters. Lived to 90. I guess it does something for you, but I'm not about to. I'd rather die tomorrow eating, eating a steak than eating raw oysters every day, amen? I'm going to enjoy life, amen? It's going to keep me alive. Kill me now. Just take me home, Jesus. So, what is Solomon saying to us? Enjoy the blessings of God now and thank Him now for all of them. Don't plan to live. You are to start living now. <laughs> start now. I can't wait till my kids get older. No, enjoy them now. I can't wait till I have grandkids. Enjoy your kids now. I'm single. I can't wait to get married. Enjoy your single life now. There's a lot of good things in single life that you can enjoy. When you get married, you'll enjoy things with your wife that you just won't be able to do or your husband that you just don't do as a single person. I just can't go, hey, you want to go somewhere today and pack up and walk off and leave Renee? Not that I want to, but I got my, you know, those days are over with. Hey, we're going to go out cruising all night long. We're going to hop in my Monte Carlo. We're going to ride around all night and, and, and stop at McDonald's in, in Albany at 3 o'clock and get a Big Macs and then come back and get up for work at 7 o'clock in the morning. Don't think we didn't do that back in the day when we were younger. You came home from work, got cleaned up, came to church, ran youth groups, picked up kids, brought them home, and, and then afterwards went out and grabbed a couple cheeseburgers at the, the Lantern on Route 46 and... What else you want to do? I don't know. We just, just go cruising. We just cruised. We weren't doing anything bad. We we're Christians. We we're serving the Lord, but just cruised all night long. I can't do that anymore. My wife, hey, sweetheart, let's go cruising. She'd be like, hello. Let's go get a hamburger out on Route 46. It's 10 o'clock at night. Let's go get a hamburger. But I can't do that anymore, amen? Those days are over with. I don't eat past 7 o'clock much anymore. It's like, I better not. I don't drink past 8 o'clock because it's like, oh, I'll be up all night, you know? I'm old now. It's just a plan of the, but not when I was young. But I enjoyed it when I was young. I enjoyed my youth. And then I prayed for a wife, and God gave me a wife, and I enjoyed my wife. Then God gave us kids. I enjoyed our kids. We, we had no problems. I had two weeks vacation when I was working as a plumber, and we enjoyed the vacations. We would throw the kids in the car and just drive down south and visit relatives. Renee had a bag of snacks, and anytime one of them got hungry, she just threw a lollipop in the back seat and kept them out busy for the next 20 minutes and, and, and just drove down there, stopped and saw every weird thing on the highway and, and, and stopped at sometimes a good hotel and sometimes a scary hotel and, 
Had some good restaurants, some bad restaurants, all wonderful experiences that we all talk about. And hey, Dad, remember that time we went to that? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and we walked in one restaurant. We stood there and uh, down south, everybody just stopped and stared at us. And back up, kids. We're leaving. Get, get out. Get something wrong with this place. You know, hearing banjo music playing. We need to get out of here. But we enjoyed life. You, you enjoy life now. My father never took a vacation. Now, he got vacations, but his vacations were working in the backyard pouring concrete. Every year, he'd get a, a, a truck would back up, dump sand, and, and dump a pile of concrete, and then he had the big mixer, and then he put a shovel full of this and a shovel full of that in the water, and, and it was up to us to hoe it, and then he'd, we'd shovel it into a place and, and make a patio, and, 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 and it's like, Dad, why, why are we building these things? Why don't we just enjoy grass? How come you have to paint everything green and pour concrete all the time? And by the way, they just tore all my dad's concrete out of that backyard just recently. Just, he, he built a, a, a walkway around our swimming pool one summer. That was his vacation. Well, the next summer, the pool rotted, and he tore the pool out. And, and for the rest of the days, there was this pathway in the middle of nowhere. It looked like some kind of satanic pentagram. And he was worshiping Satan in our backyard and with this big round circle in our backyard. It's like, well, what, what, you could have, you never enjoyed, my father never enjoyed us. Can I say it that way? I, I mean to sound bad, but he just never did. He was always like miserable around us. Like we were a problem to him. He didn't mind us. And when we tried to help him work, he would scream and yell at us because we weren't doing it right. Well, can you teach us how to do it right before, before screaming at us? He never enjoyed everything in life. And, and it's, a, it's just a sad picture in my mind of my father, whom I loved and cared for. When he got older, I was responsible for caring for him, and I gladly did it. My wife and I took care of my dad, but he never enjoyed life. Everything was just... And that's not what God wants for us. Now, Miss Nyra's here. She remembers my father, and her father was almost like my father many Many respects. They were, yeah, just all, got to work all the time. Well, what are you going to do at the end of the day when it's all said and done? Now he goes on here and he, in verses three through six, he, again, he's dealing with a hypothetical case. He talks about a man who possibly lives 2,000 years and has over 100 children. Now, again, it's an exaggerated case. He's making this exaggerated case. But the point of all what he's telling us here is no matter. How much you possess, if you don't possess the power to enjoy it, you might as well have never been born. That's what he's, the case Psalm's making. Verse 3, if a man begat a hundred children and lived many years, so that the days of his years be many and his soul be not filled with good, and also that he have no burial, I say that an untimely birth is better than he. What does it mean to have no burial? It means to die without anybody caring that you died. There were several kings in Scripture who died, and the Bible says basically nobody cared. Nobody cared. Sometimes you hear so-and-so died. Oh, well. Because they were just miserable human beings. Nobody wanted to be around them. They, and, they hadn't, and they wouldn't want friends, and they didn't make any friends, and they didn't desire friends, and they were just, just uh, unhappy for one reason or another. But they died with no burial or really nobody caring that they lived or died. Can you imagine living and nobody cares that you lived? It's a sad case. 
Now, again, it's hypothetical what Solomon's talking about. You have all these children, yet you have all these children, you never enjoyed your children, and then the day comes and even your kids don't care that you died. What's the purpose of your life? What purpose was it? You want your, we want our lives to have some meaning to them. And a real meaning is found in God and serving God and living for Him and, and, and God's blessings upon us. So again, here's a man with all this abundance, a, a large family. And yet, his family does not love him. His relatives only stayed around him for his money. And that's another sad case. People sometimes are only nice because, listen, I, I know people. I know people who are nice to other people because they're hoping they get in on the will. They, they're getting older. Let's bring them a dinner. Let's buy them a Christmas present. Let's, let's call them aunt and uncle and, and, and be nice to them and, and have the kids suck up to them because they're hoping somehow they'll, they'll get in on the will when they die. What a miserable way to live. You know, I've been kind to a lot of people in my life and not for the purpose of getting anything out of them, but just because it's what God has commanded us to do and we just do things. And it's just being a decent human being to help somebody else. And when they died, they didn't leave me anything. Not that I was, oh man, they didn't put me in the wheel after all I did for them. No, I didn't do it for that. And we shouldn't, but I know people who do that. I was like, why, you know them? Yeah, they, they got money. <laughs> oh, Okay, <laughs> that's the only reason you want them is because they got money. What about the other person down the street who has no money? You ever think about sending them a meal? Do you ever think about cutting their grass or doing something for them? There was somebody in town here years ago, somebody posted on Facebook, look at this person's house, they never cut their grass. Did you ever knock on the door and find out why they didn't cut their grass? Did you ever think maybe they're old or something happened that prevented them, so maybe you should go over and, and just be a decent neighbor and cut their grass? And do something for them instead of shaming them on Facebook? It's not what God wants from us. So in verses 3 through 6, when we see this rich man, he really was poor. For some reason, perhaps sickness, he, again, he couldn't enjoy his money. And although he had this large family, there was no love in this home. They didn't even weep when he died. And Solomon's conclusion here is that it would be better for this man had he not been born or that he had been stillborn. And there's something interesting here. Amongst the Jews at the time, a stillborn child was not always given a name. That way it, it would not be remembered. It was felt that this would encourage the parents to get over their sorrow much faster. And this, so he says in verse number four, for he cometh in with vanity and departeth in darkness. His name shall be covered with darkness. Kind of just like forget about it. Now again, that was the Jewish way. I don't think that's the proper way to do it, because it's, there was a child there. In life, we deal with a lot of broken hearts, and why God even permits this child to be conceived if it wasn't going to live? What's the purpose? God, you knew this child was going to be conceived, and yet you don't let it live. Why? Well, there's no answer for that. We don't have an answer. Why did God permit this man to have wealth and a big family if this man could not enjoy it? What purpose is it? Some would argue that the existence is better than non-existence and a difficult life better than no life. And Solomon might have agreed with them because he says in chapter number 9, 
And verse number four, probably one of the most familiar verses in, in Ecclesiastes. He says, 9, 4, For to him that is joined to all the living there is hope, for a living dog is better than a dead lion. Now a lion's a scary creature. But a dead lion doesn't do anything. It's dead. I've had friends who had chihuahuas. I'm not a fan of those dogs. If you have one and like them, God bless you. But it's just kind of a, it's a yappy little thing that doesn't shut up. It just, it's like, you're the smallest of the bunch. We, we, we can punch you across the room and, 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 and get a 60 yards out of you. And yet the thing doesn't stop. But that little chihuahua is far greater than a dead lion. Because it does, does serve some kind of purpose. We had a house years ago, and I didn't know about this, but the guys I was working with knew about it. We went down the stairs, and we turned the corner into the basement, and there was a large, life-size German Shepherd stuffed animal toy. But it looked very real. So I come flying around the corner, like, <laughs> and everybody's cracking up laughing because they knew that dog's been sitting there for the longest time, this, this stuffed German Shepherd, and it just... No good. Years ago, we were kids. We would go down the meadows. I told you this story. We saw a, a dog sitting there laying like this, staring at us. We're like, ah, it's a dog. My mom warned us about wild dogs down the meadows. And we're like, as kids, we're like, ah. And we're watching the dog just laying there. And so we're like, rah, rah, rah. And the dog wasn't moving. So we pick up rocks. We're throwing it at the dog, trying to get the dog to do something. And the dog just kept laying there. And we kept getting closer. And the dog was dead. Now, how it died in that position was beyond us. We walked over to this thing. Like, the dog's just, it's, it's falling apart. It's, it's rotting, but it's just laying there. It's like, this is crazy. How'd this dog get here? And how long has this dog been here? And who put it here? And he died like this? Where'd this dog come from? It was a dead dog. But a living dog will wake you up. I'll close with this story. We, if you go down to Bergen Avenue here, there's the DPW where you dump all your recycling cans. Well, that wasn't the DPW years ago. It was another place, and they had the gates closed, and they had German shepherds in there, mean, vicious German shepherds. And we would walk down Bergen Avenue, and those dogs would be right at the fence, showing their teeth and jumping on the fence. And it was a 12-foot-high fence, and we'd be like, rah, rah. we were brave because we were behind the fence. We were in those dogs. My friends even like kicking the gate and everything else. Well, one day we're walking and talking, not paying much attention, and, and we just got past where the dogs were, but the gate was open. And all of a sudden behind us, we're teenagers, young teenagers, we hear, rah, rah, rah. we turn around, there's those dogs headed right towards us. I grabbed my friend by the shoulders, and I spun him around, and held him right in front of me. <laughs> and so when the dogs went this way, I grabbed them and I pulled them this way. And when the dogs went that way, I put he's kicking, mad, let go of me. I'm like, <laughs> and Scott was a big kid, but he's not that day. I had that Polish strength, we call it, where we just moved him around. And he was kicking the dogs. As they're, and the, the owners of the dogs are sitting there at the fence just cracking up laughing. And finally, <laughs> he whistled and those dogs came back. Like, but they're like, <laughs> 
And my friend's kicking, man, let me go. I was like, I ain't letting you go. I figured by the time they're done eating you, they won't be hungry anymore. And uh, I'll be safe. A living dog does a lot of good. So what God's saying here that a living dog is better than a dead lion. We'd rather have a living hope. Hope that's alive. Than putting hope in something that's dead. And if we put our hope in this world, it's dead. Because this is a sinking ship. Our hope should be in Jesus Christ. The Bible says we have a glorious hope. We have this blessed hope with Christ. And if we don't enjoy life, that life that God has given to us, we're really missing out. Paul wrote in Philippians, he says, I've learned that whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. We may f- Listen, what state are you in right now? Besides confusion, you want to be content. Well, you find yourself, I'm in school, I'm not happy. Well, be content in school. Well, I'm, I'm right now, I'm single. Be content. I'm married. Well, be content in that state, no matter where you find yourself. This is my spot in life right now. I'm going to be content and serve God and be happy here. So I can't wait. I'll get happy when. I can't be happy until I go on vacation. Well, no, you're... I, I enjoyed going to work back in the day when I was a plumber. I enjoyed being a pastor. But back in the plumbing days, I, I enjoyed, we, had, we had fun at work. We got our work done. We worked very hard, but we, we all got along. We had a, a wonderful time. One lady yelled down the stairs, You guys are doing an awful lot of laughing down there. I said, But we're working, but we're also having a good time. Now, life should be worth living again you may find yourself in an unhappy place right now understand God knows about that unhappy place but in that place find what you can to be joyful about and and serve the Lord and know that whatever darkness you may be going through will be temporary we want to have a hope a living hope now again we didn't finish this chapter tonight there's a lot more to discuss we don't want to take much more time on it but we'll look more about uh, labor when there's no satisfaction in it. Again, when we get through with these series of messages, each one you may walk out and say, well, that was depressing. And, and they may seem to be for now, but please, you've got to understand, we, we are going somewhere with all this. this. These messages will all bring us to a happy end. And if you walk out and say, oh, my, my life's a wreck. No, no, it's, please. Hold on. Hold on. We're, we, we haven't got to the end of the book yet. And Solomon draws this up with a, with a happy ending. And, and puts it all together for us. But in the meantime, he's, he's looking at life, again, as a human being, there's no God. What purpose is anything here? There's none. It's just, there's no purpose to it all. It's just a waste of time. But when we as Christians tonight, we look at, no, this is this life because I have God. I know who's in control. I know all about him. He'll take, there's, we find enjoyment in that. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Jesus Christ who loved us and died on Calvary's cross. Now, Father, we pray that you'll help us tonight. We looked at some sad portions of Scripture. We looked at some things, Lord, that may be difficult to understand. And, and Lord, again, our, our lives are not a waste of time. Our lives are not useless. It's, and, Lord, it's, it's not true that it would be better if we had never been born. There is a purpose to all of our lives. Our lives have meaning. 
We have been designed and created by you. And Lord, you have set your love upon us and given us your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the propitiation for our sins that we may have the promise of everlasting life with you. But in this world, Lord, you've told us we will have tribulation, we will have sorrow, but we are to be cheerful because, Lord, you have overcome them for us. Bless this.